Hey, Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is, you know, like always the, I kind of say the same thing every time, but, you know, like this is the um, off family, you know, like off everything time that I have for me. So, you know, like it's always um, an enjoyable moment that I that I have. Um, first and foremost, uh, pretty much the usual question that I've been asking for almost the last year, but um, where are you located on that planet? And um, how has been going with the pandemic for you so far? I'm in California, Northern California. I'm actually originally from England, so I have a little bit of a mixed accent. Pandemic's been actually okay for me. Um, it hasn't affected me too much. It's affected my teenage son more. Um, but I I use everything these days that come up as a way to do deeper and deeper inner work. So whatever emotions come up have been coming yeah. up through this. I've just um, worked with them and moved on. There are um, there there. I'm guessing um, strong parallels between where I am in Quebec, which is considered some of the stronger confinement rules and the stronger vaccination rules, and California, right? You know, like you know, like I mean, like besides and other states in the U.S., um, how has been? You know, like what's the latest on kind of the confinement and you know, like the some of the sanitary rules. What is the latest on that for you uh, in Cal? I believe mask requirements have just been let go this past week, except for school children. So, but I'm still okay. finding, you know, there's still notices on supermarket doors and those are still there. But most people, it seems like, are no longer wearing masks. So, yeah, I don't okay. hear a lot about so masks are masks are gone. Yes. Awesome. And I guess... Um, um, cinemas, um, like, uh, you know, like shows and, you know, like, um, um, you know, like auditorium or our theaters are all full capacity, you know, like everything around that you, you guys are pretty much free except unfortunately kids at school. <laughs> yeah. As of this week things it sounds like things are opening up but I, as i said i didn't really feel it a lot here where i am so it's actually been okay all right so let's uh like i say you know like let's get back to regular scheduling and and you know like when, when i do start with you know like one you know like my guests life story i ask them to rewind their life story back to you know um mostly their childhood but you know more importantly um uh, um, what I would consider kind of a major event or or something that has um, by 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 my guess own definition something that has changed or or defined them as they grew up. So where would you bring me back to, Anne? Well, there were a lot of traumatic things that happened in my childhood, but obviously some of them were stored subconsciously. So when I was aware of them more, it would more be both my parents being alcoholic during my teenage years. Um, I remember telling myself that life was hell. Um, but wow. it wasn't actually until a little bit later. It was when I was 19 was the key event um, when I woke up one morning and I found my mother dead in the bathroom. Oh, shit. Okay. Let's, 
I'm just going to, and sorry for, you know, like, sorry, I shouldn't have laughed, but, you know, like, uh, it's not because it's funny. It's just that we're moving too fast here. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's rewind it back just a tiny bit little here. Um, what, you know, like, so, so what's your upbringing like in terms of, you know, like the, the, um, the fraternity, um, brothers, sisters, um, you, you mentioned both your parents, so I'm guessing they were together. Uh, what, what's your upbringing like? Okay, well, I can go back to the very beginning. So I was actually, I, bought, I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. So the first six weeks of my life were physical therapy. And okay. that was prior to be, given, to be given away for adoption. I had to have my foot straightened before I was allowed to be adopted. So I was then adopted into a family where they had a boy, a two-year-old boy, my brother Paul, and then they had adopted another little girl and they had had her for six months. And back then in the UK, I don't know if it's changed now, but back then the birth mother could change her mind up to six months and this birth mother did change her mind. So this little girl that had been in the family was given back to her birth mother, and I was the replacement for her. Okay. So that would have been me moving into a family that had just undergone a big trauma. So my brother never really liked me, and that could have been the reason, you know, that I he knew this little girl, and then I was somehow replaced or she was replaced with me so um yeah so uh, uh, old uh, how much older was he he was two years older so okay. not a lot yeah okay and then as soon as i was six months old and they knew that they were going to keep me we went overseas so i lived on four continents five different countries by the time i was 16 so we went to Barbados first, then Sierra Leone in West Africa, then Hong Kong, and then Bahrain. And at the age of nine, so we were living in Hong Kong, my brother and I were sent to boarding school in England. And I was sent to his school. So I was actually the first girl boarder in a boys boarding school, which Someone said to me the other day that, well, that could be fun, but it was not fun. <laughs> they teased no me mercilessly. Especially at that age, right? You know, like girls are yuck and boys, you know, like boys are yuck. So, you know, like it's not, you know, like it's not the best time. You know, like if, you, if you told me that at, at, you know, like at your teenage years, maybe. But, you know, like um, the other question I have for you is, um, what was the reason for moving? Was it professional? Yes, my dad worked in the telecommunications, uh, okay. the telecommunications company. Yeah. Was um, alcohol present um, from from your earliest memories? It was. You know, alcohol. It seemed to me is much more prevalent in England because. People go to pubs all the time. That's where the social gatherings happen. So, you know, even though we'd lived over, overseas, that was part of my parents' upbringing was socializing with alcohol. So, it, yeah, that was normal. And, and 
let me ask furthermore, was abuse of alcohol present as as early as you remember as well? No, I don't think so. They they did drink a lot, but it wasn't wasn't obvious to me that they were drinking too much. It wasn't okay. until yeah, it wasn't until our teenage years. I my mother actually asked my brother and I, he was 15 and I was 13, and we were living back in England at the time. And she asked us if it would be okay if she left our dad. And we both said no. <laughs> We weren't going to stay with that. He had anger issues as well. And so I think, you know, I don't know because she's not here, but I think that was probably the moment that she kind of gave up on life and just, yeah, yeah just kept drinking. So your parents are in Asia. You are in London. So how often do you visit home, you know, like your parents? Well, in, in England, uh, in that boarding school, in those boarding schools, um, there were four terms, kind of four semesters a year. Okay. So there would be um, four vacations a year, three vacations a year. Um, so we would go back and forth. It was a very long flight <laughs> to go from England to Hong Kong, but, but uh, we would do that and occasionally they would come to visit us. And then after two years at the boys' boarding school, I then went to a girls' boarding school um, for the rest of my schooling until I went to university. And, and I'm guessing that as you grow and, you know, uh, after that, that shocking question from your mother, as you grow, you come back for vacation and you see your mother slowly going down that, that hill or that slope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when they were both, I mean, my dad would come home for months at a time because he lived overseas. He would get these chunks of time where he wouldn't be working and he would go to the pub and then come back absolutely plastered. And then, uh, then she would start drinking when he came home. So the rest of the day, she was a different person than she was in the morning. And so, you know, life was chaotic in my mind because I couldn't trust anything they said after a certain time of day because the next day would change and yeah it was it was a pretty chaotic time that looking back do you think your father knew that you know like either she wanted to leave and you know uh kind of you know um didn't because of you know like the, the kind of quote-unquote keeping the family together or um the fact that your father drank a lot as well you think it was related to that that's interesting. I've actually never thought about that before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he knew that she wanted to leave. He must have known mm. how happy, unhappy she was. No, I mean, so. no doubt about it. I mean, like if if you if you come down to asking your own kids, you know, like should I leave? You know, like it 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 shows a lot of there's desperation in there, right? You know, like there's definitely. You know, like if you, if you have a hard time even making up your own mind about, you know, like, I want to leave, but should I? And asking young teenagers, you know, like it's, it's, um, for me, it's, it, it's either like a sign of, um, 
mental health issue, right? You know, like, and you know, like from from my understanding of what you're telling me, you know, like that that's not what we're referring to or talking about, and or mostly desperation, like mostly despair, you know, where you just don't know, you know, who to ask, and and I'm guessing your mother didn't have many friends, didn't she? No, not many friends, plenty of relatives and um, several siblings, but she just didn't, she can't have had the self-confidence because ideally she would have made that decision herself and she wouldn't be asking us. Yeah. Um, So if if you forward this, so, (coughs) sorry about that. Um, When you do, um, when realizing that you know like you see kind of that um augmentation and you know like kind of rise in 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 consumption of alcohol do you you know like do do you voice voice out the fact that you can actually witness that do do you talk about this or is this taboo in in the in in the home yeah we don't talk about it no we don't talk <laughs> we didn't talk about anything like that so um you know as time went on my mother's health started to deteriorate she also had she was a chain smoker both of them were and she had a a really bad smoker's cough and eventually she did go to the doctor and we were told that she had terminal cancer from lung and throat cancer and we only ever talked about that one day we were told about it we were told that there was nothing that she could do. She didn't even stop smoking. And that was it. We never mentioned it again, which seems so strange right now. I mean, even in California, that seems like a strange thing, but that's what we did. We didn't know any different. That was the water that we lived in. And yeah, wow. we just didn't know any different. Even between brothers and sisters, there were no conversation around that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Wow. So it was that much taboo, right? You know, it was um that's crazy because you have to keep to yeah. yourself that you're sad that your mom is is literally dying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dad really did have anger issues, so we learned not to say anything. It was actually safer not to say anything. I mean, any opinion I had about anything was always wrong. So I decided, I remember deciding it's okay. I'm not, not going to voice my opinion because there's no point. So that was just part of the journey. Um, so for this to, um, that, that, that fatal night, can, can you, bring me back to that night you know like do, is it is it any different in terms of kind of the evening of it or or do, you know is is there anything that you know like you, you could you know uh, you know like i'm asking kind of blindly what, what what happened just before all of that you know kind of uncovered Right. She had been, she was totally, I mean, she would drink a bottle of sherry a night, a day. Um, So she would nearly fall over. So I would kind of catch her. And, um, and that night I had actually gone out with some friends to drink, which was totally unusual for me. I hardly ever did that. And I'd actually had an argument with her because she didn't want me to go out. And 
but there was no sign that she was going to die that night. There, there was no, there was no reason why that would happen that night. So the next morning, I woke up and it was quiet. Normally, she had the radio on, and there was total silence. My brother was staying at his girlfriend's house, and I didn't know who she was. I'd never met her, and my dad was working in Saudi Arabia at the time. So I really needed to pee. <laughs> so I went to the bathroom and uh, she was lying there in, in a pool of blood. She actually had um, one of the tumors in her throat had burst, which was why she ended up dying that night. She would cough constantly. I mean, it was really hard to have a conversation with her because she would always be coughing. And she was trying to obviously get rid of that, those things in her throat. And uh, she probably felt a little satisfaction at actually being able to do that but um but it killed her so yeah so that was a big shock how old were you again i was 19. and so in terms of your academia and you know like you, you kind of your your academic uh aspirations and all you know like where are you at at this time I was in my first year of college. I was back home. I was doing what they call in England a thin sandwich course. So I had uh, six months of industry interweaved between six months of college. So I was doing an industrial placement. So I was at home um, working at a company during the day. Yeah, so that's why I was home during that time frame. And I and, had to find and- my brother and I had to call my dad. And Yeah. You, you you talked about you know like having it having drinks that night you know what was your relation with alcohol um not much i didn't really like it. <laughs> it you know being adopted into a family there there's some of its nurture some of its nature and i never really liked it um whereas my brother who was adopted from a different family he went that direction he's actually already died he died at 52 or 53 i don't remember um from from multiple organ failure from drinking so much alcohol over those years so yeah with me it, it wasn't much um so y- your mother passes um you find all of the kind of the family to you know to come back together what happens next i mean you know like how you know like you, you talked about your father having um anger issues and all that you know like i'm guessing that you know like that doesn't solve it right (laughs) yeah no i mean obviously he was sad um he got my brother and me together and he he told us that he had never wanted to have children which wasn't so great to hear at that moment (laughs) Um, yeah and really life life just carried on because we didn't talk about it we didn't know how to do that so it just carried on. He wanted me to cook Christmas dinner for the family, even though I've never cooked a turkey in my life. Um, he just kind of expected me to take over the household chores that my mum had done. And so I didn't want to do that. So I actually finished college. I had got a degree in computer science and I moved out to California when I was 21. Wow. Okay. So in terms of you know, like your your personal being, how how are you? You know, like I mean, this must have been you know, like it, we're we're talking about post trauma 
post-traumatic disorder syndrome level, right? You know, like what, what, if, if you, yes. you find any human being that, I mean, like even even more so your your, your own mother, um, how are you? You know, like even like when you say you moved to Cali, um, how are you? You know, like in terms of your mental health and, you know, your, kind of your stability in life and um, yeah. Yeah, I was really good at hiding it. But but yes, I did have PTSD. I was very much trying to stay safe all the time, trying to not be um, shouted at, trying not to um, to hide to hide my true self underneath because I never felt it was good enough or that I was good enough. So it was tricky, um, but I was really good at hiding it. And. Um... Why California? Why the U.S.? Well, I was luckily in, enough to meet my now husband when I was 18, six weeks before he moved out to California. So we stayed in touch for the, the remainder of my college years, and I moved out here. He was here in California, so I moved out. And, you know, I, I had a degree in computer science, and he was living near Silicon Valley, so it was actually perfect. Um, how, how do you cope, you know, like, even though, you know, like you're good at hiding it, you know, like most of the time, you know, like this, this bursts at some point in your life, right? You know, like it has to emerge and it has to evacuate, you know, like how, um, when and how, and you know, how does this happen? Yeah, well, I try to stuff it down. I use food for quite a while. Um, then I started doing uh, cleanses and fasts and doing a lot of dietary things to see if I could clean myself out, at least the physical part of me. But it wasn't until I actually had had my two boys and I was a stay-at-home mother and I had like a business altercation that happened with a couple of other mothers at school who were very strong, self-confident authority figure mothers and and that was the key and so my mind started spinning like it would go around and around what happened because I didn't think I'd done anything wrong yet they thought I'd done something wrong and it was at that point that I realized that you know this kind of feels like how I would react when dad told me I'd done something wrong and that was kind of the first inkling in my mind that my childhood was affecting me in the present. So that literally was the a very trigger. first thing. Yeah, literally yes. a trigger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Re replaying something that I had um, done in the past. And and hidden and kind of even. Um, you know, like just, just buried deep inside yourself. Yeah. And I didn't know all those years. I didn't know that that was there. You talked about your relationship with food. Um, what was it? Are, are we talking bulimia? Are we talking, you know, um, you know, like what, what was that relation um, with, with, with food and food intake? It was along those lines. I mean, I would, yeah, I would eat to keep those feelings suppressed. So I would always think about, okay, what's the next meal? What, what am I going to have next? 
which is I know now it's just a way of holding down those feelings that wanted to come up. And I, it's like, nope, I want to keep you right down where you are. Wow. Um, okay. So, so that event, um, happened, um, what happens next? I mean, like, cause you know, like it, it must feel almost like an explosion right in t within you. Um, it, well, that period of time was, I mean, that was a huge event for me that I just couldn't understand, but I was ready at this point to start understanding it. So it was around this time frame that I actually had a doctor's appointment. I don't remember why I went to the doctor at the time, but he recognized I was more stressed than I should be because I was a stay-at-home mom with two young boys. It shouldn't have been that stressful, um, but he recognized it was. And he asked me on a scale of zero through 10 how stressed I was, and I said eight. And then he asked me why. And that's when I knew those tears from finding my mother, which now was like two decades earlier, those tears were still just under the surface. As soon as I would think about it, they would start coming out. So, so that was, that was really eye-opening. Eye and he used this technique with me. It's called emotional freedom technique, and it's also called tapping. So he tapped with me for about 15 minutes. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story of her death in my mind without the tears there. And to me, that was just mind blowing to actually find something that could release those tears so quickly. What What is the plan by then? I mean, like, do, do, you know, like you said, you were you were ready to uh, actually um make your life better and, you know, like kind of clean, um, clean yourself from, from these past, uh, you know, like trouble issues. Um, you know, like, so, so what is the action plan? You know, like, I mean, you know, like sure that doctor can relieve momentarily by making you cry, but you know, like, is there, is there an action plan in terms of, you know, like making you feel better, um, more than, you know, like than, than the tapping? There wasn't an action plan, no, <laughs> but I went home and because I have this engineering background, I like to know something works. So I wanted to know that this technique, that, that his use of it with me was not just a one-off, that it actually really did work. So we had a 17-year-old cat at home and we'd been told he needed a daily saline shot. So the first time I gave him a shot, my hand was shaking so much because I was so afraid of doing this. I was afraid of hurting him. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day because it was just ridiculous the way my hand was shaking. So I thought, well, this is a great test case for this technique. I'd learn how to use it because it's really easy to learn. And so I tapped. I tapped about my fear of hurting my cat, my fear of giving him an injection. I tapped about my history with injections because I'd had so many over my lifetime. And the next day when I gave him the shot, the needle just slid right in and my hand was totally calm. So I knew at that point that I could use this technique and I could go back in my childhood or use it throughout the day, if I was finding myself emotional, I could let go of that emotion, that energy myself, because I didn't have a lot of trust in other people. I, I wasn't very vulnerable, wasn't willing to be vulnerable with other people. My dad had shut that out of me. So I knew I needed to do something myself 
And so I started using this technique. I started doing it every day, noticing when I was emotional and then I would tap and I would find, I found my mind becoming quiet and less reactionary. You know, like, so, so how do you progress and, 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 you know, like kind of that, you know, like growing, um, how do you progress into that? Well, I, I found my mind becoming quiet. So I wanted more of that because it felt really good. <laughs> so I wrote down every childhood memory that I could think of. And I went through them one each night. I tapped for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. And I just found myself becoming lighter, like feeling lighter, like that burden is being lifted off my shoulders. And my mind was becoming quiet. I remember opening the door, the kitchen door one day and just thinking to myself, it feels like I'm living in a different reality because my mind, which always used to be going, you know, it always used to be talking, used to be judging me and criticizing other people. And, and that was no longer there. That voice which I realized was my dad's voice, was no longer in my mind talking to me. And it just felt incredibly different. So that was kind of actually the first step of three steps along my journey. What is the coming step then? Then I started to become aware of not just my emotions, but the physical sensations underneath the emotions. Right? So we use the words like sadness or frustrated or depressed, but what we're actually describing is a set of physical sensations that then we call frustration. Right, and my, Frustration for me might be tension in my solar plexus, it might be tension in my jaw, and I just use the word frustration to describe that. So I started to become aware of those physical sensations, and then I would hold my awareness on the physical sensations and notice if I held my awareness on them long enough, it would shift and it would it would let go of the tension. And so I would do it over and over again with the same thought that had emotion behind it. And I could just let go of the emotion. And at some point, so I'll move on to the third step now. At some point, I actually noticed I could keep my awareness inside my body. And then I could move my awareness around and I could feel tension on the inside and I would do the same thing. I would hold my awareness on the tension long enough that it would shift and then I would do it again and again and again until the physical tension had released. And then at some point I realized I could actually keep my awareness inside my head and inside there that tension was so amazing inside my head because my whole body was kind of talked. I believe from having my foot up against my shin when I was born, I don't think that tension released throughout my body. So it was still in my head and my skull. So I would just work on this little by little. And I realized I was releasing tension in the connective tissue of the body. And over time, I could actually feel my skull bones releasing and relaxing into a more aligned position. And that's why it was great last year to get some new x-rays taken for my orthodontic work and actually see the physical changes in my skull that have resulted. I knew it was happening, but to actually see an x-ray of how my jaw, which was way off to the side, is now more centered and 
my eye sockets have aligned. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know those bones could shift that way. And my neck, which was pretty um, not straight, it's much straighter than it was. And I've grown half an inch since I was last measured until just a couple of weeks ago. I know I've grown half an inch, which is all because of this release of tension on the inside. That's crazy. We're powerful <laughs> beings. We are. We are. Yeah. So I guess when, when you make those discoveries, um, what's, you know, like, what do you want to do with that? I mean, like that, that must have feel like, like, a, you know, like a thousand pounds is off your shoulders, right? Right. And life changes as a result of that, right? I think of us in terms, I think in terms of the law of attraction, which you've probably heard about, but I think of it in a slightly different way. I know people talk about it in terms of manifestation. I'm just talking about on a day-to-day -day basis that we are emitting a signal and we're attracting back into our future based on our signal. So if I'm feeling light and peaceful, that's what I'm attracting back into my future. So that's how that's kind of how I worked it. I would ask myself, how am I feeling right now? And do I want to feel this way again in the future? And if I didn't, then I would do something right now. Like even taking a deep breath would relax me, but I would more likely do some tapping or actually feeling those physical sensations to release that tension. And then my signal is different. So life has changed, right? I'm pretty much everything about my life has changed. I, I enjoy life now. I have a depth of awareness on the inside that I see on the outside, right? That phrase as within, so without is so true. I recognize when I'm tense on the inside or where the tension is, whether I'm breathing deeply or not. And I can see that in other people. Also, my senses have improved, right? Taste, the, the sense of taste is just amazing, My voice has changed. My singing voice has changed. Not that I will ever sing to anyone else, but when I sing to myself, I can actually sing notes that I could never sing before because the tension in my skull, which is where the voice, that's my echo chamber, that has released tension so it sounds better. So there's all sorts of aspects to life that change as a result of doing this inner work. How much do, you know, like my guess is that, you know, when you discover kind of that toolkit, you want to share it with everyone. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want everyone to know how powerful we are because I've not heard other people talk about this. I didn't know I could get this deep inside my body. I didn't know it was possible you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm no different from anyone else. And how long does, does that whole process took for you to get better or, you know, like I, I have optimal in terms of, you know, like, you know, like kind of expression in my, in my, you know, in my mind. Well, I'm still working on it. I still have tension on the inside, but it's not as intense as it was. So, you know, I'm 55 now. I started in my late 30s. So it's just been an ongoing 
process, but my mind started to become quiet very quickly. I mean, even after being at that doctor's office, that one day I felt different because I had released that tension around my mother's death. So it's just a journey. Wow. And um, how much, you know, like, so, so what was your, did, did you build a plan to actually share this with, you know, like the, the, the people? Well, I wrote a book. I wrote a book about my story. Once I be able, was able to put my awareness inside my head and shift things, I knew that was the original meaning of the word insight. We talk about that word. And most of the people, when they talk about it, they're talking about kind of going in the mind or even outside of the mind. But I believe the original meaning of the word insight is actually to be able to see inside the body. So I wanted to share all the steps while I remembered them, while I remembered all the weird things that happened along the way, because the body sometimes does some weird things when it's releasing tension that's been stored for so long. So yeah, I have my book and it's called A Pathway to Insight. And where can people find that? You can find it on Amazon or you can ask your local bookstore to order it for you. And it probably is, you know, not probably, but, you know, it is kind of the manual or, or step-by-step guide um, to, uh, to actually what, what worked for you. It is, yes. I, I talk about how I think everything gets stored in childhood and we, we just we replay things over and over again, even though we don't know it. It gets so much easier to see that the further you go down the path. And then, yes, I do share the 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 steps that I took, starting with details about EFT and, and how I went about doing that. And, yeah, all the steps all the way to insight, being able to see inside the body. And, um, I mean, you know, like, do, do, are you, are you on social media? Do you, do you share some of that, you know, kind of that, that, that secret, you know, online? Absolutely. Yes. I have a YouTube channel where I have some, I have an EFT demo and I have a feeling your feelings. So feeling those physical sensations. I have a demo. I've got sev- several videos on there explaining things in more detail And I have a public Facebook page that I love explaining things on, and I'm happy to interact with anyone there. And I have my website, which has more information. I'm really wanting to talk to audiences. So if anyone's listening who has um, something coming up where they're looking for a speaker, I would love to do that. And um, wow, you know, like that that is a crazy story, Anne. You know, like there's a... There's not much to add, to be honest. You know, like, the, you know, like it's it's some of the most traumatic. You know, like I, I can't see. You know, like I've heard crazy stories, but you know, like finding your own, you know, mother, um, dad is you know like just just a shocking and you know like quite a traumatic event, and um, and you found kind of the key to that lock you know like or, or you know like the key to that um to getting better and all you know like so so it is just uh it is a great story you got great story you got 
Thank you. Oh, one of the keys was recognizing that we just store these emotions and these memories inside of our body. And it's just stuck energy that wants to release. And once we let it go, there's freedom on the other side. Hmm. A lot to think about, you know, really. A lot to think yeah. about. Good. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, it's good to think about it. Please think about it. Yeah, because there's <laughs> there's freedom. There's freedom for no doubt. everyone. Yeah. I mean, think of all the emotions people have around COVID, right? If those things, I, I believe all the things are coming up for us to actually feel those emotions, recognize it's just stored energy and let it go. Because that's when it, when it does let go, then we're emitting a different signal and we will attract a different future. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to listen to that, uh, to that recording uh, a few times again, I guess. <laughs> you got me. You got me tonight. Um, and this was a, a short one, but... Uh, you know, quite a shocking one, to be honest. So like I, you know, like just the fact that, you know, like physically your, your body and, you know, like your old physical being responded, um, of, you know, of, you know, we, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, like human growth, you know, but, but it's, it's usually not in the physical sense, you know, literally physically growing. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be thinking a lot about that. To me, it connects the, the mental and the emotional with the physical. And, you know, it's all, to me, it's now all one, right? So even when I was working on the first step with the EFT, with the tapping, I'm releasing the emotional memories, but I believe I'm still releasing tension on the inside in, in a physical way. It's just releasing dis-ease in the body, but at a deeper and deeper level as we go through the steps. Hmm. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it is. It is. One last question I have for you, and um, what would you consider today to be um, a healthy daily diet? Both in you know in the physical sense and and the you know like the spiritual sense and the psychological sense. You know, like w what would you consider kind of your your daily routine to to be better? I'm always checking in with how I feel. That's what I do throughout the day. Where's the tension, and I focus on it and let it go. Or where's the emotion, and I focus on it and let it go. So I'm not suppressing anymore just focusing on it and letting go. Um, and are you asking in terms of food as well? I mean, all of them, you know, like uh, how do you, you know, like do you, do you have like a meditation routine or, or you know, like kind of, you know, like a, um, you know, like that's why, you know, like I, I want to cover as many, you know, aspects of it, you know, like the, the, the spiritual, physical, mental, all of it. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't. I've never meditated. I mean, to some people it might look like I'm meditating, but I never wanted to meditate. So um, I don't, but I just feel. 
So I feel and let it go. And I do it throughout the day. So I don't have a set routine. I do it first thing when I wake up in the morning. I do it last thing at night. And if I wake up in the night, I'm feeling, holding my awareness on it and letting the tension go. That's just what I do. It's so much a part of me now because it feels so good. It feels really good to let go of old tension. So there's no reason not to do it. And in terms of food, I mean, I don't, I've decided I don't drink alcohol. I have no desire to drink alcohol. So I've been all over the place with food over the years. And now I just have what feels good to me. It's a very natural diet. um, And I just do what I like. I eat what I like to eat. And if I have resistance around something, I know that's mine to let go of. So I can work with it. I can feel those feelings and I can let go. Hmm. Well, Anne, that was uh, quite uh, something, to be honest. Like it's, um, it, it's, um, like I said, you know, like there, there's, there's a lot to think about, you know, like in, in that short conversation. Um, really happy that we had that talk. You know, like for me, it, it is, uh, yeah, you know, like it, it, it just is, you know, how it is, you know, like it's, um, there's, there's, uh, a lot of introspect to be, to be, you know, to, to do and, and to think. And, um, this was, a quite an eye opening conversation to be honest, Han. you know, like it's, uh, it's surprising, you know, like I'm, I'm usually, uh, I would say, you know, like uh, I'm rarely speechless, but you know, like I am tonight, you know, like it's, uh, it's one of those, you know, like where you just like, wow. Okay. So now we've touched, um, all of the mental aspect of it. And, you know, like you, you literally, your body responded, you know, I could say, Hey, (laughs) thank you here. Here's two inches, you know, like (laughs) that's just crazy. (laughs) Here's a singing voice and here's two inches for you. Here you go. <laughs> go go sing a song now. You know, like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it, it's it's uh you know, like it it is um it is shocking, you know, like and, and at the same time, you know, like it is kind of the um almost like the the conclusion of hypothesis and something people go through and people live, you know, like sometimes you know, like people feel lighter quote unquote you know like when 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 you know like they they when they get rid of these you know of the these um almost crippling sentiments and and emotions um they say they feel yeah. lighter and you know like they say they can feel you know not this they, they won't they wouldn't use the, the term taller but you know like uh, you know like i see um physical expression being used for um evacuating those bad emotions and those bad feelings inside you. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think of it as use... it is part of the enlightenment process. You know, we hear the yeah. word enlightenment, but to me, there's two aspects to it. There is that part of it where we actually feel lighter as we're releasing our burden. But now that I can sense on the inside, I also see that as I'm releasing tension, underneath it is light and that it was dark. The tension was dark. So all we need to do is actually find that darkness, the tension. You know, we talk about shadow work. Find that darkness that's hidden inside of us and let that go. And underneath we're light. So to me, that is the enlightenment process. 
Well, Anne, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it for anyone that listens. All of the links, you know, links for the books and, you know, like all of our social medias can be found in the description uh, of the episode. So uh, just add, add up to, to the description and, you know, I click on all these links. Um, I, you know, like I, I, I hope you've been um, listening to that. You've been as uh, shocked and, 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 you know, kind of eye opened as I was. Um, I mean, the, you know, like there's a lot of things that, you know, like you, you, you suspect, but, you know, like hearing it from hand is, you know, like just crazy. And, 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 you know, like there's a lot, again, you know, like there's a lot to think about. Um, thank you again for your time, man. It was really appreciated. Thank you for being open and, and, and transparent, you know, like with, with your life story, you know, like it's, it's a lot to share and I appreciated every minute of it. And, um, I hope you continue that road to, you know, enlightenment and, you know, like getting, getting better every day. And, um, it was a pleasure having you really. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Anne. Take care. Bye. Bye.